No Block, No Rock, episode 19. Michael, what is Javi going to get us today? Well, Javi's Tacos. If you haven't been to Javi's, go give it a try. This week, I want to tell you about margaritas. It's really hot outside. 90 plus. I think Thursday is supposed to be like 100. 102. Okay. You know how to cool down with my favorite thing, a margarita. So go into Javi's. They have margs on the reg. They got margs. They got beer. They got seltzers. Anything you need, you can go get it at Javi's. So if you haven't uh, been there, they have two locations, one on, in Lakeside Plaza and the other one on 180th and Q next to the Hy-Vee. Get there. Cool down. Hey, And a little margarita sounds pretty good right now. I'm not going to lie. And I, that would go well with a burrito, I presume? Oh, yeah. Um, let's just do a little quick rundown. Uh, we're just going to talk about a few um, commits and transfers that Nebraska football has just recently um, announced. We'll also talk about um, the new uh, Kinnick Stadium allowing alcohol. Ah, fucking Iowa, man. Fucking Iowa, out ahead of us. Yeah. Like always, when it comes to extracurriculars. And on the field, too. And, (laughs) sorry, I just had to (laughs) scribble that in there. And we'll also talk about all-team playoff and how that might benefit Nebraska. So, let's just start off with the new commitments and transfers. Now, usually when this happens, we're not gung-ho about recording an episode, but we feel like it's pretty important to mention these. Richard Torres, quarterback out of uh, San Antonio, yep, just announced that he will more than likely sign with Nebraska. Um, six foot six, more pro style ish. Yeah, not um, not mobile. I mean, not really. I mean, if yeah. I wa- I watched some of his highlights, I mean, he's he's elusive. But uh, he, let's but just he's, open it up. Like, what yeah, do you yeah. Let's let's just jump into Torres. I mean, he's elusive, and he's got a I mean, a cannon of an arm. I'm not. I mean, I can't knock that at all. I, I mean, he he makes throws 60, 70 yards down the field look like it's nothing. Like most of his highlight reels, I don't know if you go and check it out on YouTube. All of his highlights are him just chucking the ball down the field. And his receivers dropping it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, usually, I mean, that's not, that's usually like a good sign of a quarterback because, like, either they're like throwing bullets at them and they just don't have the ability to catch the ball because yeah. they're just not very good. If you look at the direction that Frost and Lubick are kind of going in, you look at Harburg and now you look at Torres, both tall drinks of water. Huge. Herbert size guys. Yeah, like six foot six. Um, less, I don't want to say less athletic because they're still, it's not like they're statues, but um, you can tell that they're really prioritizing the lengthy, tall guys who can see the field better and who don't prioritize running the ball whenever the pocket either collapses or no one's open right away. Um, Eric, do you have any thoughts about Richard Torres? So I say this, uh, like, not having gone through any films, just looking at his recruiting profile, and, I mean, sure, that's only surface stuff, and sometimes they don't match up to the talent or the lack of talent that a higher-rated player has. My thoughts are, I don't know what they're doing with the QB position. Um, He only had one other Power 5 offer from Kansas State, and a team who takes a cast-off as it is anyway. And I don't know if part of that is because his high school team is just is just awful, so he doesn't get a lot of recognition, or if there's something there that other teams don't like. But 
I don't know. It doesn't make me feel particularly good that they prioritized him over an athletic guy like MJ. Who, MJ Morris. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I was actually going to talk about as, as well, Eric, is like this guy, his offer sheet is very little. There is no Power 5 schools besides K-State on there. And he visited Nebraska first and then went to Kansas State last week. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, like if you're going to go compare the two universities, the two campuses, like – there's just not a lot going on in Manhattan. So if you look at quarterbacks and their offer sheets that do not have, you know, major schools after them, like MJ Morris was offered by Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. Like he's offered by all the big dogs. And according to people behind the scenes, it sounds like he was signed, sealed, and delivered here. And Scott pulled the offer because he liked Torres better. So to me, like this better be the guy. Like he handpicked Adrian. Not knocking Adrian, but he handpicked Adrian, and you can look at Scott. Scott's record speaks for itself, you know? So, I mean, he went and handpicked him. He handpicked Smothers, who, once again, he, he had an Ohio State offer. But other than that, I mean, he was an Alabama kid. Alabama didn't even look at him. And Harburg didn't have any other offers besides Boston College. So, Scott's going after these guys. It seems like he has a, a type that he's now going for with those bigger pocket passer pro style quarterbacks now yeah um, i wouldn't say harburg i mean harburg was an, a stud athlete though so i'm not going to knock him by it at all i think he is a way better athlete than torres and another thing that i was thinking about when you think about harburg and torres harburg's gonna have a, a step up on him so when he gets here and and i think they've like sean callahan's mentioned this on husker online is nebraska's only taking one quarterback in this class mm-hmm and you would think that if Harburg beats Smothers out this year for the number two job, Smothers is probably going to go. You would think. So what are we going to do about a quarterback? Probably utilize a transfer portal maybe. I don't know. But yeah. I think Harburg is probably going to be, like we've said before, Harburg's probably going to be number two. And then if, if Harburg is number two, you would imagine he's going to get playing time this year uh, behind Adrian because Adrian has proven you know, his entire career that he can't stay healthy. So if Harburg does get playing time, not only is he going to have live reps, he's going to be in the system for a year, and then Torres is going to come in here. And, I mean, you're, he's going to sit. He's going to have to sit a long time. So, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Jared? Well, just kind of going off of Eric's point about him, and this was your point too, about him not having that many offers. I mean, there's a few ways you can look at this. If you want to spin it in a positive way, you could say – this was the effects of COVID and quarterbacks weren't evaluated properly or they weren't able to go to enough camps to get enough exposure. Um, that's one way you could look at it is like maybe Frost and I guess Kansas State, maybe they jumped ahead of other teams and they recognized a good quarterback before other teams did. If I'm looking at the track record, I'm probably not leaning that way. Because, let's just face it, this is a kid from San Antonio, Texas. Yep. Um, if you're a good player in Texas, you're going to get noticed. Absolutely. It's, it's a football state. That's, what, that's all they do down there is yes. play football. And in so, baseball. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So when I see a six foot six kid from San Antonio offers being Kansas State and Nebraska – yeah, you're right. I am a little wary, but 
if if you're fully with the frost train, if you're on the frost train and you and you're not jumping off it, you trust frost and you trust his evaluation and you think that this is a direction that they're going in that this is a plan that's being executed. So again, I'm not leaning that way. I am a little concerned, not going to lie. Now that Torres committed they're moving away from Bianco as well, the guy from Hawaii. Yep. So this is their guy. This like, is their guy. Like, this is their Adrian, I guess. Yeah. So, Handpicked by Scott Frost. Yep. Over other highly recruited quarterbacks. Yeah, and the whole MJ Morris thing, again, there's two different ways you can look at it. If you want to look at it positively, you say, okay, you know what? Um, Nebraska cooled off because they saw MJ Morris – not committing to Nebraska 100% and probably entering the portal within a year or two. And they just saw signs of him, you know, coming here, not really liking it, and then just transferring somewhere in the South anyway. Yeah. So maybe they dodged a bullet. Yeah, they could have. But if you want to look at it from a negative perspective, he had a lot of noteworthy offers and – Usually, if a kid has a lot of offers, like you said, from Bama, yeah, like if Nick Saban's calling, there's something there. Yeah, and, and if if a if Nick Saban's calling the quarterback that you're also recruiting, and your that quarterback wants to come to Nebraska, this comes back to Scott overthinking. I think just like what's in front of him. We'll go back to the Rutgers game. Dedrick Mills runs the ball all the way down the field. We're inside the five yard line. And where's Chris Hickman? Yeah. And then we run a fucking <laughs> tight end around or whatever, you know, like no, he's I just know. overthinking. I think like Maybe. if there's a high percentage thing in front of him, he wants to be cute and do it his way instead. So that I, to me, this could relate to back to his play calling and everything else, kind of the way he carries himself in general, that Scott does things the way Scott wants to do them. Mm-hmm. And everybody else wanted a guy that's a four star top two fifty kid. And Scott said, you know, we're going to go with this guy that has no other offers. So we'll and, see how it plays out. And I think recruiting at Alabama is different than recruiting at Nebraska. Like, Alabama is in a position to where they can offer talented kids, but they're not totally committable offers. Yeah. Like, they're, they're fallbacks. Yep. Which is like, which kind of sucks to say, but maybe MJ Morris was one of Alabama's fallbacks just in case they're number one priority didn't commit. So, but, but on the flip side, he was also offered by Georgia, Florida, yeah, Georgia. T- I you're mean, right, like right. go, the list I goes th- on with, but them, I think, you know, I think, I think those schools are similar to Bama as well, where okay. they can, they can afford to have a lot of offers that aren't exactly committable. But again, but that's not really my stance. I'm just saying, if you yeah. want to spin it in a positive way, Hey, And you know what? We're going to spin this in a positive way. Nebraska got a commit. We have our quarterback for 2022. And we have our foot in the door in Texas again. So not only can this help us at the quarterback position, but it can help us at other positions because we are now back into Texas. And if if this Torres has friends, you know, and he says, you know, like Nebraska's, you know, it's not cornfields and whatever. Like this is is a fun, you know, this is a fun place to go. He had a comment that stuck out to me. Oh, I saw Bryce Benhart, and I was like, yeah. Like, I want to 
you know, I want to play quarterback behind a guy that's six foot eight, you know, like a big lineman. So, and maybe it's a knock on his high school lineman. Maybe they're undersized. I don't know. But (laughs) I thought it was, that was pretty, pretty uh, cool to hear that he saw his lineman. He met some of the players that are here now. And he's like, yeah, those guys are big guys. And I want to, you know, play quarterback behind them. So, hey, here's to hoping that Torres is Mackenzie Milton. You know, I'd be down for that. Maybe. Uh, I know. I know. That's, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of of QBs, our old friend transferred again. Oh, yeah. Let's, we we cannot go in this entire episode without mentioning a guy who is no longer here. So we will not talk about it long, Mm -hmm. but we'll talk about it as long as he was at Louisville. So about, what, 30 seconds? (laughs) Where's it going now? Hey, 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 watch. Gone from Louisville. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so if you missed it, uh, Luke McCaffrey is no longer at Louisville. Right. He, uh, like we said, mm-hmm. you know, at one of our first episodes, and Luke was transferring, and we were saying, you know, it's kind of odd that he's going to Louisville because the quarterback in front of him actually has better numbers than Adrian. So how in the hell is he going to beat that guy out if he couldn't beat Adrian out? So he, Someone must have promised him something. Yep. Maybe. And, and from reading... Uh, some stuff from Sean and some other guys out there. It sounded like he got there and they, they wanted to try him out some other positions. Weird. And he bounced. Weird. So. Yeah, because, dude. Uh, I'm, uh, shoot. He's not a quarterback. He's 150 pounds and he's really fast and he can't throw. <laughs> so, yeah. Go to Rice. Yes. That's a good spot for him. Good landing spot. He'll probably end up in the portal again when his brother graduates, and he'll end up at Northern Colorado like we've called all along. So stay tuned for that in two years. Hey, you know, fun fact about Rice. Uh, 2001, Nebraska beat Rice in the Super Regional. Last game at Buck Belter Stadium to make the College World Series. That was baseball. Oh, yeah. Whole different sport. Yeah, that's all they do. That's all they're known for is baseball. <laughs> and and who caught the final out in that game? Noel Bowl. Hey. <laughs> Going to Rice, baseball school, but I, I didn't, I'll, listen, maybe this is my ignorance showing, but I didn't know they had a football program. I didn't either. I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I didn't either. Like, uh, maybe I'm stupid. Are they Division One? Are, are they Division One? Yeah, they're Conference USA, except That's they right. win two games a year, so it doesn't matter. God. Perfect. Luke's I, in a perfect spot then. It does, doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you can tell that there hasn't been a NCAA football video game in a while, because I would have known that. Back yeah. in 2014, you know, because I would have played and I would have seen Rice somewhere. Yeah, you would have played as the, the <laughs> Owls. <laughs> I wouldn't have played as them, but I would have seen them. With all the the dynasties that Mike and I played over the years, I'm kind of disappointed and I never use Rice now. Are you, though? <laughs> no. No, I'm not. Right. You can create a team. You can have your QB1 be a 160-pound guy with 94, 93 speed. Accuracy and power probably in the 40s, 50s. <laughs> so, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Luke. Okay. Good, good luck to... Good, good luck, Luke. Good luck to Luke. All right. Um, let's talk about a significant transfer that Nebraska just picked up. Absolutely. Tyreek Johnson. And guess who called that? Who? NBNR made that call weeks ago. Hey. I said that, you know, when, when we were out with the Tulsa guy, I said, you know, I, I think Tyreek Johnson is a guy you need to look at. And here we are. Indeed. You know, just putting it out there for you guys already. And, uh, yeah, big big get. I think he's coming off a foot injury. So That's another thing. There's what your... is up with our transfers and their freaking feet? <laughs> I don't know. 
God. Okay, but maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's nothing. But like we said in a previous episode when we talked about Tyreek Johnson, we don't need to jump into him too much. Do your research. Go Google him. Uh, he was a five-star kid. There's not a lot of five-stars in the class. I mean, he is, like, overly talented. This guy just didn't see the field a lot with Ohio State. And he's going to come in, and he's going to instantly be in the competition for CB2. Yeah. So, and I don't want people to get the impression that he's going to come in and since he was a five-star and he played at Ohio State that he's just going to freaking ball out and overtake, No, you know, CTB. Like, no. Like, there's a reason why he is leaving Ohio State. Uh, just don't expect freaking gangbusters from him. Like, he's going to provide depth. He's probably going to play special teams. Maybe. I'm, not, I'm not expecting five picks from the guy. You know what I mean? So I just want to temper people's expectations. He's going to provide depth. Is he going to give us some plays and tell us like what Ohio State's running? <laughs> like We got an inside guy inside the conference that transferred here. And people can say what they want. Players will tell their coaches mm-hmm. what's going on. When they look at is, film, they're going to tell you what's going is, on. Is Frost playing chess right now? Heck no. Is he, is he playing... Like, 5D chess. Okay. Like, Ty- like Tyreek Johnson is not even good at football, right? <laughs> but we just need the playbook. Yeah. That, what if, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Okay. No, absolutely not. <laughs> what if he doesn't... Okay. Tyreek Johnson... What if he doesn't have a foot? <laughs> what if he's got one foot, but he knows the playbook inside and out, and this is Frost playing chess? You better get that boy a polo and a headset. Well... <laughs> Well, well, no, hold on. To Frost's credit, he did have success with a guy that only had one hand, so it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Frost and his one-limbed players. Yep. He likes them. We got so Step with no foot, and we got Johnson with no foot. <laughs> okay, now, Jared, I'm going to take the bottle away from you, and I'll talk on a more serious note here. But I'm drinking tea. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about the pickup. I know, listeners, it's shocking. I don't have anything bad to say about something. But, yeah, he went to Ohio State, which is good already. I mean, he came and Travis Fisher, I think, has earned our trust. Would that be the safe assumption? Dude, that hot girl He's... always does work. I, I trust <laughs> Travis Fisher. Yes, uh, so there's two. And he had a comment after he committed that stuck out to me. And he's like, basically said, like, I didn't come here to lose. I've been in winning locker rooms my whole career. And I know what it takes to, like, fire guys up and bring a winning attitude. And hey... None of the players in the locker room have ever had a winning college environment. So, it, so is this what they need? Someone to give them a little the, kick in the pants. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good point. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, that's a good point. And and Tyreek Johnson, let's let's not beat around the bush though. He he is a very talented person and oh, yeah. and when you're in a stacked locker room like CBU is in Ohio State, it is tough to see playing time. Dudes get drafted from there like Yeah, like it's nothing. Especially DBs. So, you know, I, I think a change of scenery could be good for him. And Scott Frost did one thing right here. He went and got the best available guy. He didn't care what position group it was. We did need depth because we have had a revolving door in that secondary. But he went and got a good player. We'll see how he actually plays. But on paper, he got the best guy available. There wasn't a lot of five-star corners out there. 
and he came to Nebraska. So this is the second offseason in a row they've gotten the best DB transfer available with uh, Nadab in the ball last year. And he actually like, found his way on the field there for a little bit, like towards the end of the season. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. It's a good pickup. Yep. I like it. What I don't like, but I guess I do at the same time, I'm a little conflicted. Kinnick Stadium. I'm, you know, it's it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet, but it's expected. Nebraska yep. has Tom Osborne painted all over the walls in Memorial Stadium. Oh, and Tom, Dr. Tom. eventually, as much as we love talking about the 90s, and we don't. Like this podcast, we try to avoid talking about the 90s as much as possible. But <laughs> it is time. The, we are one of two teams in the Big Ten now that do not serve alcohol. And that is us in Wisconsin. So Nebraska and Wisconsin now are the only two teams. Michigan State, they don't sell it in the normal stands, but they sell it in the in the suites and stuff. So yeah. Nebraska and Wisconsin are the last two. Iowa, I'm glad they did this. Honestly, this is the only time I'm going to say something good about Iowa is they finally – they are trying to make more money for their university, and it's showing right there. We're going to serve alcohol at sellout wrestle, wrestling matches because they have sellout wrestling matches every match. They're going to sell it at baseball games. They're going to sell it at football games. They're going to sell it at every sporting event. Where in Nebraska, we sell out PBA. We sell out Memorial Stadium, and guess what? We're missing out on all that money. Can you imagine? A million dollars. So let's let's move away from football. Let's go to PBA, right? Yeah. Dude. That atmosphere is already great. Can you imagine? Well, and on and top of it, set, it's, set it's already for, set up. Yeah. It's perfect for PBA. They've already got the taps there. they got people from the rail yard, rail yard coming in that are already buzzed. Like, they're not going to want to stop getting buzzed. Yeah. Dude, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand because, I mean, the whole state of Nebraska is just a little behind the times a little bit when it comes to people leaving leading hedonistic lifestyles let people live their life let them make the choices that they want to make right yes and it's not like we're not going to improve like there's going to be more security because with more money and more alcohol you're going to have more people there to keep an eye on that type of stuff get those wristbands keep an eye on the stands put a couple extra people by the student section it's not a big deal every school does it besides us now in the big 10 us in wisconsin we I've been saying this, and I don't know if I've said it on NBNR, but Memorial Stadium is not set up for it. If they start selling alcohol, it's going to be a disaster. You're going to have lines of people that aren't going to be able to use the bathroom. They're going to be standing in the middle of the freaking section because the lines are going to get too long. They need to renovate Memorial Stadium. They're going to have to do something with South Stadium. I think they need to do a concourse type of thing where people are able to walk and mill around kind of like at Haymarket mm-hmm. where people, you don't need to sit down. Like there's so many places where you can just stand and watch the game. You don't even need a ticket with a seat on it. You just go get GA and you can stand anywhere you want. Well, and that's not going to fly Memorial Stadium. It, but it, Why? Why not? There's no GA in Memorial Stadium is what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is Nebraska needs to embrace change. People are going to football games less and less. I know with COVID, it's probably going to be different because we had a whole year off and people weren't able to go to things. But I think as time goes on, people love watching games in their basement, in their garage, on TV, 
where they don't have to worry about driving, they don't have to worry about parking, they don't have to worry about standing in line for concessions. Nebraska needs to embrace shrinking the size of Memorial Stadium. I'm not saying by 20,000. Do it incrementally where people are able to set up taps or places where people can actually go to the bathroom if they need to. I just don't think it's set up for alcohol right now. Well, I think the the first test will be the Garth Brooks concert that sold 90,000 tickets in four hours. Yep. So that's going to be the first test. I guarantee you Garth is not putting a show, his biggest concert in his life, without alcohol. Because you got to think Garth, Garth is going to get a little bit of that cut for that alcohol sales. Oh, yeah. And if you have 90,000 people there, I'm not saying all 90,000 are going to drink, but you're going to have a large chunk of people who are going to go to the rail yard they're going to have a good old time, and then they're going to go walk over to Memorial Stadium, and they're going to ha- want to continue their buzz into that, into that show. Mm-hmm. And Garth likes to put on a show for people, and he loves to cater to the alcohol part of the show. So <laughs> I think this will be the first test. I know you're saying that Memorial Stadium's not set up for it, but a lot of places are selling alcohol, and they don't need to renovate to sell it. You could throw some beer stands all over the place, and you could have people walking up and down the stands selling alcohol like they do at anywhere else. I'm sorry it's not going to be a little kid selling you a Runza. It's going to be at a grown-ass man selling you a Bush Light. But that's all right. I'll take it. Well, and I think maybe Mish, or I'm sorry, I don't know. I've never been to Camp Randall. Maybe they have the same issues. I'm surprised that Wisconsin hasn't. They have Miller Park. Mm-hmm. They have, yep. Mil- like, this is Wisconsin where it's freaking beer, brats, cheese. Like, I'm surprised they haven't yeah. moved to this alcohol thing, so... I'm not surprised that Wisconsin has it at all. Barry Alvarez is too nice and self-righteous for that. He's he's so. he's their Tom Osborne. Well, yeah, because yeah. so I mean, but Barry left. Yeah. So maybe they'll. We'll see. Which thank God. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll come back here now. <laughs> now that he's done with Wisconsin, maybe he'll he'll come over here and join back to the the good side. Well, maybe he can get us some calls since he was running the Big Ten himself. Yeah. But. That's well, yeah, different... he's he's still gonna be a ambassador, like Kevin like Kevin Warren's personal like liaison or something. He's still involved with the conference. Kevin Warren needs it, so yeah, he does. But then again, it's Barry Alvarez. He's had a lot of pull for a long time, so I don't know. So I'm gonna call a hot take here. I think Memorial Stadium okay. will sell alcohol. Actually, Memorial Stadium will sell alcohol by 2022. And so I, next year. Next year. Okay. And I think that Haymarket and PBA will sell it this, this coming season because okay. they already have taps. Haymarket already has it for the Salt Dogs, yeah. and PBA's already got it for the concerts. So there's my I'm, – I'm calling it out right now. I think Memorial Stadium will have uh, alcohol at some point in 2022, uh, starting with Garth Brooks. Yeah. And then I think basketball and baseball will happen before – like in – Actual games before, you know, Memorial Stadium. I hope you're right. Yeah. Dr. Tom is still alive. And he's got a lot of influence, whether you like it or not. He does have a lot of influence, but times have changed, and we need to make money. And one thing I heard on 1620 is that the first year Ohio State started selling alcohol, they made over, it was like $1.6 million. Okay. Right? In one one year. In seven games. Uh Uh-huh. 1.6 1.6 million dollars. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So what's what's taking us so long then? I don't know. But I think Iowa was the <laughs> was the the first one to get the ball rolling, I think. Cuz Well, in terms of like 
us taking it more seriously. I think we have to. You, you have to find ways to make money because, you know, Nebraska's been sitting there putting their cup out saying how that we, we lost a lot of money and we're trying to do all these damn projects. Spare change. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> we're still change. making money as a university, but imagine if you could have an extra one to one and a half million every year to put towards something. Like, maybe redoing that baseball facility and keeping up with the SEC. I mean, there's so much yeah. stuff that you could yeah. do with an extra $1.5 million a year. Just selling booze? Yeah. People are going to pay whatever it is. 11 bucks, 9 bucks, whatever drunk, it's going to be. Drunk people spend money. You ain't kidding. You ever, you ever done any drunk shopping? Yeah. I, drunk eBaying? That's, <laughs> that's, that's you. That's my sport. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. All right. So we, we touched on that. Let's jump into the 12-team playoff. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. I like this 12-team idea. It's supposed to start in probably 2023. Um, automatic bids for the Power 5 champions. And is it the highest ranked group of five? It's the highest ranked, yes, I believe it's the highest ranked group of five and then just like six at-largest. And I want to start here by saying, finally... This is what most college football fans have been clamoring for for a while. Not like an expanded playoff or anything, just for the little guy to get a shot. They get a shot in the basketball and, and baseball tournaments, mm -hmm. and just it's, it's time that they finally catch up. And on that same note, ever since the playoffs started, there really has only been like three teams a year that are actually deserving, and a fourth one just gets Notre Dame thrown in and gets blasted yeah <laughs> but, absolutely but. no i like that idea it if you're looking at it from nebraska's perspective listen the goal has always been to win your division yeah like, that's where it all begins don't win the big 10 you're not don't win the national championship win the west this just further emphasizes that point win your division and if you win the conference by golly, you're going to make it to the freaking playoff. Like, yeah. It's it's really that easy. I mean, I mean, not that easy, you know, but it's it's clear what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You know who's probably like really pissed off about this? Who? Bo Pelini. The guy won 9 games a year, and honestly, the way this 12 thing, 12 team playoff is going to be set up, those 9 team 9 win teams are going to get in. And so, all those Nebraska teams that won nine games, you know, that couldn't get over the hump, win conference championships, etc. I mean, honestly, they probably get in. Now, the weird part about the 12-team playoff. So, first off, I was pro eight teams. I think 12 is kind of a lot. I'm, I'm surprised they jumped. I'm surprised they jumped. They just jumped from much, four to 12. Like, yeah. that's, that's kind of a lot. Right. But here's the weird part. So, when you have 12 teams, that's going to add, like, a, an extra layer to the playoff. And so, the weird part is going to be this. What's the difference between teams six and seven? They're going to have similar resumes, and they have to play each other, and one team's going to get the home game, and the other team isn't. So if that's like a group of five team, like imagine that that's a group of five team, like a 10-win UCF or something, and then the other one is like a four-loss SEC team. Who's going to get the home game? Because that group of five team is probably going to have like a, you know, like a glorified high school stadium versus the SEC, who is going to have, you know, 90-plus thousand that is going to attend this game. So is it going to be like a money thing? Who makes those decisions, that committee? or I mean, what do you think, Jared? Well, whether the system, if the system stays the way it is with four, you go to eight, you go to 12, you go to 100, it doesn't really stop any debate with the last 
one or two spots. Oh, with the four team, you have the the fifth and sixth ranked teams who are, oh, we deserve to be in because, you know, we're a good group of five team or we won the conference. So you're always going to have a debate with the last two teams or the last two spots that should make it. But yeah, you bring up a great point. I mean, that's, that's a lot of responsibility in the hands of the committee because that's millions and millions of dollars that you're potentially giving up. So yeah, that's, that's a great point you bring up right there. Exactly. And it, it's, it's just tough that if, if that's getting, if that decision is being made by just a bunch of old guys that are looking at computers to try to make the calls for them, it's kind of tough because if you roll back to 2017 or 2016 or whatever, when Scott Frost was at UCF and that team was really good and up beating Auburn, like I think the committee still would have chose like a four lost SEC team over them and saying that they are a better team. So It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I mean, you saw with college baseball when it comes to committees and just these old guys locked in a room and it's just like, oh my God, is this like the best we can do is we have these, you know, we have these human beings who have biases and it's inescapable, you know? And then of course, when we went to the BCS, when we had just computers, that wasn't good enough. It's just, it's always going to be a debate no matter what it is or what method we use. Yeah. And they, a, a term they use a lot and that is like the eye test, like, Oh, you know, if, if you, but you know, like if you perform well on TV and everything and you can get past the eye test, then you get the benefit of the doubt. But some of these group of five schools aren't on TV. So how do they pass the eye test for these people that are making those decisions? Yep. And that's where your biases come in. If you're a, a guy from the South, of course, that's all you've seen is teams from the South play. And you're going to think that their strength of schedule is so much better. If that's all, you know, that's all, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, I, I, I do just want to throw in, um, I have the playoff in front of me here, the proposal. So it's just the six highest ranked conference champions in general, just any conference, the six highest ranked ones. Uh, There aren't any, like there wouldn't, be like any automatic qualifiers anymore technically and the final six spots are just uh just the the highest ranked other teams as determined by the committee so all right well yeah that's my mistake i thought it was the automatic qualifiers of the conference champions like i just don't understand why they don't do that easier and you you're avoiding you're avoiding pitfalls. Like if you have automatic qualifiers and you make your criteria very clear, you must win your conference. There's six. Well, we'll, we'll say five. That's five automatic bids right there that you can't argue against. Well, and another weird thing is this. Imagine we'll play this scenario out. Ohio state was really good this year. Right. And they played Northwestern who had two or three losses, whatever. So what if Northwestern beats Ohio state in the conference championship? But then if you look at their resume, they still have three losses or two or three losses or whatever. Ohio state still only has the one loss to Northwestern. And are you still going to put Ohio state in despite them losing the week prior in the conference championship? Are they still going to have a higher seed than Northwestern? Like that kind of stuff doesn't make sense. And I kind of agree with you, Jerry, where it's like, why wouldn't we just make it simple? Power five conference champions get in, 
six would be the best group of five, and then the rest is the debate. You, then after that, the last six are, okay, Ohio State lost. They're still in at the sixth seed now, uh, yeah. you know, after that. Well, and that's, that's where you can kind of get into the SEC and the ACC. Force them to play nine conference games instead of their current eight. And then you can talk about strength of schedule and stuff. If you're going to keep scheduling freaking Dill Pickle University freaking for week 11, if you're an SEC team, that should be a mark against you. That should be a mark against your strength of schedule argument. Yes. So get those nine conference games in, have that for consistently across the power five, and then we can debate it out. And that'll make the debate even more fair. Have every conference have the same criteria. Well, we don't know anything, and I think we're going to have more discussions on this 12-team playoff. As it grows more and when it actually becomes official, I think we'll actually be able to sit down and talk about it a little bit more. Maybe Nebraska somehow makes it into that conversation in 2023. Probably not. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be more discussion, more debate. We'll talk about it more. I think I think we've talked enough tonight. So maybe let's, let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, just for our listeners out there, the big matzo ball hanging out there is the sport of baseball. Trust us, we did not forget. They had a great season, and we are hoping that next week we are going to have a fairly special guest. I'm not going to make any promises or name any names, but we're, we're going to have a baseball-only podcast episode for you. We're going to hopefully have a special guest and just talk about the season, get to know this person a little better, we, yeah, we are not looking over baseball at all. And I know we're supposed to be a football podcast, but when you have an opportunity like this that we will probably get, we couldn't say no to this. Absolutely not. So it won't be no block, no rock. It'll be no bats, no runs, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no hit, no run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. uh, but yeah, uh, we'll have our friend Rob join us next week as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Rob did play baseball for Nebraska. So he'll give us some good insight um, and what he saw this year from Nebraska baseball team. And uh, yeah, and where can, where can they find us, Jared? Let's wrap it up. Find us on Twitter at NBNR Podcast. Please follow us. Um, give us a like and subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, please, if whatever podcast platform you use, we are on there. Um, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, this is one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. And I'm Eric Morrow. And as always, GBR. GBR.